Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind. It is episode 60 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. And I'm lucky to be joined by Mike Vulcan from freelancermasterclass.com. Mike, really appreciate having you on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome, Mike. So really interested to hear more about that URL, what it means, and, and your really your whole entrepreneurial story based on your website and the chatting we've done. That uh, sounds super interesting. Can you tell everybody just a little bit about yourself to get us started? Sure. Uh, so I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've built and sold four companies of my own. Uh, my latest one you just mentioned, Freelancer Masterclass, is designed to um, uh, make side hustlers full-time freelancers. The whole goal is to be able to allow entrepreneurs and even entrepreneurs uh, the ability to live their passion and make money doing what they love to do. Uh, in terms of me, uh, I w I've been an entrepreneur. I'm in my... Um, uh, 40s now, but I've been an entrepreneur since I was in my young 20s. Uh, I I don't like to use this as an analogy, but Osama bin Laden is indirectly um, uh, uh, accredited for um, making me an entrepreneur. Uh, I joined hmm. the army uh, three days after 9-11, which he was responsible for, of course. Um, and uh, when I was in the army, I found my uh, my passion for being an entrepreneur. I actually wrote a book that turned into being a bestseller. And along that journey, um, while in the army writing that book and making it a bestseller, I learned a lot about marketing. And, um, and of course, if you're good with marketing, you're, you're good with building companies. If you're, if you're a growth marketer. So, um, that is, uh, what I did. I started building and selling companies after that. And, and along the journey, um, you know, had, had a, four more books. So five books total, uh, I've written since then. Very cool. You just provided me with a lot of curiosity for topics we have to dive uh, deeper into. So let's start more from the, let's call it entrepreneurial beginning, Mike. You said you joined the army three days after 9-11. Why, why was that? And what was the first, uh, what was it like, I guess, at, at the beginning? Yeah, well, 9-11 was a real opener for me. I just realized that, there, hey, there's a lot of people out there that uh, aren't as privileged as me, that, you know, I I grew up in a, in a very good era, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010, and, and so on. That's a really good time in history. We haven't really been plagued with too much depression or disease or anything, you know, but, um, world wars, um, stuff like that. So I've been really lucky, not only that, but to be born in America with the freedom to do just about whatever I want to do. Um, so I realized, you know, that, that whole event just realized that there's lots of people out there. The majority of the world don't live as great as I do. And I just felt this immense need to get to give back and um and and the immense price of freedom that i've taken for granted so i decided to do something about it and this was at a time where i, I just graduated with my master's degree and i was making pretty decent money i mean for someone with a master's degree and a couple of years out of college i was a scientist and uh yeah so i just decided to drop everything and and um and stop being selfish <laughs> and unrealized i was not realizing i was being selfish my whole life so it was just time for me to give back and that's um, was a perfect time for me uh, to do that. Very, very interesting. Can you take us through maybe the first few months or, or first year of what it was like in the army as well as I, you don't often hear the army linked with entrepreneurial entrepreneurialism yeah. per se. I mean, a lot of amazing entrepreneurs have been in the army, but I've never heard someone put it the way you did, which was that it, you know, it kind of turned you into an entrepreneur. If you could take us through that transition, I'm, I'm very interested as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't either. I mean, until lately I've been studying neuroscience and now I realize why the army provided me with that outlet of entrepreneur uh, capabilities. But um, really what happened is, um, you know, I joined the army and 
you know, first of all, before I even joined the army, I was, uh, you know, like, like I said, master's degree, well-educated, had a good job. Um, just kind of rolling through life. Um, like everybody does going to work at eight, come back at five, living for the weekends type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when, when I joined the army, all, all of a sudden I was, uh, assigned, everybody's assigned a battle buddy, somebody that you're responsible for, for everything they do. And, and I was assigned with a go to war, go to jail, um, person, someone who was, um, who basically the judge does this a lot. Um, they say, Hey, listen, you can go to jail for 10 years for whatever crime you did, or you can join the army for eight Jeez. or whatever the case is. So I, there was lots of people that, that, you know, negotiate with judges like that to stay out of jail. And my battle buddy was one of those people. Um, he was uh, very different from me, just to say that nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was attached to the hip. And here I am with a master's degree and uh, n- never once, you know, quote unquote, lived in the ghetto like this person did. Um, and this person never lived outside the ghetto. So we came with just from two different worlds and we just couldn't communicate that well. Um, but long story short, um, what a small world the army is. When I got out of basic training, um, I was deployed um, to Iraq with a unit out of South Dakota. I was in Sacramento at the time. So I was deployed with about 200 soldiers I never met in my life or even heard of. Um, And then sure enough, this very same battle buddy was deployed to, he was in Illinois. He was deployed to the same unit in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. So we actually met up and went to Iraq together and, um, went through the war together and uh, it was just really small role with the, what the army is. But um, while I was in the army, um, I had to do a fast track. You know, I, I mentioned I, I joined with no preparation. I joined three days after nine 11 within a month, I was eye to eye with a drill sergeant having no idea what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was tough. It was, I mean, I went through from being in a nice house, nice salary to making, you know, you know, working eight hours a day to, um, to being in the army, making less than a minimum wage, working 20 hours a day, um, living in a tent with no possessions. So it was a totally different world for me. And while I was there, I realized, you know what, there was a lot I could have done to prepare for basic training, you know, not only fitness, but how to deal with drill sergeants, how to make friends. So I wound up writing a book when I was in Iraq. You get a lot of downtime in war. You know, it's not like the movies where, you know, Saving Private Ryan, all you do is <laughs> you go to war and start, start shooting people all day long. Right. Um, there's a lot of downtime. You work a lot, but there's a lot of downtime. So I just decided to start taking notes on everything I could have done to prepare for basic training. And when I got out, um, I published the book. A publisher picked it up, and uh, it's called The Ultimate Basic Training Guidebook, and it became a bestseller. I sold hundreds of thousands of copies still to this day. Wow. Um, you know, many years later, it's still selling. But the point is, it was that journey from writing the book and publishing it, and making it a bestseller. I had to to market it. I had to go out there. I had to do podcasts. I had to do SEO and build a website and e-commerce and all that stuff. And that's what created my journey of being an entrepreneur. Right. So, so did that kind of uncover something that maybe it did. you you didn't know it, it existed? And, and then it's, it's very much sounds like it did. And, yeah. and what was the next step from there? Because it sounds yeah. like that was just the very beginning for you, right? It was the beginning of confidence for me, knowing that I can go out there and make my own world and not have somebody else supply me with a paycheck or have me living my life, building a company for another person. I realized that I could actually do this. Um, so then somebody actually hired me for some freelance work. Um, just a friend of a friend wanted me to do some search engine optimization. I had mentioned to him that I built my own website and he's like, Hey, can you do this for me? And I said, yeah, I'll uh, charge you 50 bucks an hour and I'll do some search engine optimization for you. And, and then, you know, that referral led to another. And then I started doing all sorts of different types of marketing. And, you know, now, um, 
18 years later, I do fractional CMO work, fractional chief marketing officer. So companies will hire me to lead and start marketing departments and do marketing strategy and all the cool stuff that, that builds companies. And uh, yeah, I've kind of made my own, my own career out of, out of marketing, which is an indirect way that I started just through being an author. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really cool how that, you don't think a book would kind of create that entrepreneurship uh, in you, but yeah. I, I can definitely see how it did. Can you talk more about how you approached it? So you got back from the army, you yeah. wrote this book and yeah. what did you, cause especially back then, right? We don't have the resources that we did now, the amount of content that's on YouTube and Google. So how did you teach yourself or, or learn all of those, to, all those things and, and tools to use? I know it was kind of a weird nowadays. There's so much more resources now. I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. even be able well, to also even with what, the website, like I'm thinking like right now you can build a website in an hour, right? With, oh, yeah. with Squarespace and whatever. But I'm imagining back then when you say you built your website, like did you have to write code back then? Yes. I yeah, teach wow. myself HTML. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, Jeez. I didn't know anything. It was, a, I mean, it was really cool though that when I launched it, um, I, when I launched my website, I, I, uh, the first thing I did is I went to military.com and I said, Hey, check out my website. It helps prepare people for basic training. I wasn't thinking anything about it. And there was a little PayPal button on there. Where you could buy my book. And I woke up the next day and there were six orders. It was just like some forum <laughs> that I posted, you know, right. um, on military.com. And I'm like, wow. And then one of the moderators of the forums works for military.com and said, can you write an article for us about basic training? And I'm like, yeah. And I did. And three days later I woke up and there was like 50 orders. I'm like, how am I going to ship all these book orders? <laughs> I even have 50 books. I only ordered like a couple dozen. So that's when it started taking off. And I got really excited thinking I could make money while I sleep. It was so cool. And um, yeah, my journey was, I mean, it wasn't even intended to be a book. I was just, I was asking soldiers what they could have done to prepare better for basic training. And my, the first notes were actually on an MRE napkin, meal ready to eat. It was just a little <laughs> standard meal napkins, meals that uh, the army issues you while you're in your field. Right. And when I got back um, from basic training, uh, you know, I mean, when I got back from Iraq, I just started, um, you know, putting this all on paper. My intent was to make it into a blog post, but I saw this banner ad about this new self-publishing um, capability of this printer where you can send in, like, if you type everything on a word document, they'll turn it into a book. So I just hired this designer for 50 bucks to make me this super lame <laughs> book cover. Right. And, um, and it just so happens by, uh, by happenstance that one of the most popular military book club, I'm sorry, military book publishers was in the next city over. And um, I, I wrote him and I, and I said, would you like a copy of my book? And, um, and he, he immediately wrote me back saying, you know what, just let's meet up for coffee. This sounds awesome. Um, I want to see this in person. So I told him the story. He wrote a contract the next day saying, we, I need to get you everywhere ASAP. There's n there wasn't a book on basic training and how to survive right. it. And people wanted it. So it was just really exciting. Everything just seemed to click into place for me at that time. So, Right. Well, it, it's, it's interesting how when you start taking action and, and, you know, putting in the effort and reaching out to people, how things tend to, you know, find a way of making themselves work out and, and all these opportunities seem to pop up from nowhere. Absolutely. So what would you recommend to someone? Maybe, maybe someone's out there right now, they want to write a book or an ebook mm -hmm. or, or get started with something. Uh, maybe the tools and, and content is a little bit different these days, but what would you yeah. recommend that they do to kind of kick, kick it off? Well, Everyone has a book in them. Everyone has a, a passion, a specialty. I'm telling you, if, if you've been on the fence with, you know, I'd really like to see a book about this. It doesn't have to be nonfiction. It could be fiction. 
Maybe it's a story that you heard that you think should be a book, whatever the case. The very first, the hardest step and the very first step was just to get that table of contents written. That is going to be your outline. Um, I've approached all my five books this way. In fact, I'm writing a book right now called The Underwear Bandits. It's about how to make money at a home, at, at working out of your home. <laughs> And, um, great, great title. <laughs> thanks. Um, so really, the, the, the way I approach writing a book is all you have to do is write your chapter headers. What do you want the book to be about? Um, and then once you do that, you write the subheaders for each chapter. And all you really need to do in order to get that done is schedule time. It's amazing what you can get done when you just schedule time in your calendar and just respect your calendar. Whatever is on it, you have to do it. And I tell people the same thing. You know, I'm into fitness and I'm, if you put it on your calendar that you're going to the gym for an hour, that's your gym time. Nothing less than an emergency will change that. And then people just start working out. Same thing with writing a book. Just schedule some time, three one hour sessions to get your table of contents done. And you will be surprised. You will get that done in that time. And that is the start of the book. It will take its own shape after that. Right. That's, that's great advice that can be applied to almost anything uh, yeah. like you mentioned. So, so Mike, you see some really great success with the book. Mm -hmm. This entrepreneurial bug has been caught and uh, what's, what's the next stage? Yeah. The next stage is turning it into a company is, you know, cross sells, upsells. What can I do? So uh, I started listening to my customers. They've got this ultimate basic training guidebook, right? And it's helping them with basic training, but then they wanted more practical exercises. So I created an ultimate basic training workbook, which is just simply a hmm. question and answer book. on like, what did you learn from this chapter? What did you learn from that chapter? And there was another book on top of that, which you can actually bring to basic training and fit in your cargo pocket. It was called The Survival Guide, The Ultimate Basic Training Survival Guide. Hmm. So I had this trilogy of books. And then, you know, that took about three years and people started, instead of buying one book, they were buying three. So now my customer lifetime value was about 90 bucks instead of 20. Mm -hmm. So then I said, well, okay, what about some live classes? People are always emailing me every day. I'm like, what about if I just hop on live and create like this membership site? And for nine bucks a month, you have access to me. You can follow me on social media. I'll, I'll send you exclusive blog posts and stuff. And I'll mm -hmm. interview other, I even interviewed drill sergeants. I mean, I just, I started taking over this, um, this whole realm of basic training and, and it, it's, it's still up. I believe the website is called ultimate basic training, but I since sold the company. Uh, but then, you know, I just created a company out of it. What you do is you bought the trilogy of books. Once you bought all three books, you got a discount from $30 to $9 a month to join my basic exclusive content and have access to me. And you get access to forums with other people going to basic training. And yeah, I eventually just uh, sold it, but I was just a really fun company to run and a really great group of people, you know, patriots going into basic training, learning, wanting to be better soldiers and for all branches of the military, not just the army. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. Who or, or what were you relying on, Mike, when you were building this whole uh, business out? Mistakes. Relying <laughs> yeah. on mistakes. I made so many mistakes. It just, it makes me blush thinking of all the stupid things I did um, for each of the companies that I built and sold. But honestly, that's what makes you stronger. Um, mm -hmm. and to grow the next company or even grow your own company. I would make such dumb mistakes. I would execute things without testing them. Um, I would execute things out asking my customers if that's really what they wanted. Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, just two years ago, I spent $60,000 building a company I never launched because I, I just wow. made one mistake after another. I built out these really intricate 
software programs that nobody ever really wanted that there was already solutions out there for. Uh, you know, you just make these mistakes as you go and that's what makes you a better entrepreneur and builds really great companies. You just have to learn how to fail fast. Um, right. That's what makes a great entrepreneur. Absolutely. And so once you sold that company, what, what happened next? And also kind of what was like, wh where were you? Where was your mindset at that point? Like you, you were like, yeah. okay, I'm going to sell this. Did you have a plan in place for the next step? Or did you take some time off? Like, how was that transition? Yeah, good question. I certainly had a plan in place. I have an Evernote app with all these business ideas written down. So once I mm -hmm. had the idea to sell the company, I'm like, okay, I'll go to this Evernote app, Evernote app and see which company that might produce more revenue that might be funner for me to uh more fun for me to run and at that point i was really into fitness so i, I created a fitness company uh, for an idea for a product i had because um, i was traveling a lot for my full-time job and let me just mention like i was still working i went back to working oh, as a wow. scientist and this was all like part-time work i was built, writing these books and doing membership sites and whatever that was all part-time so Jeez. I'm like, okay, well, for my job, I was traveling a lot and I had a really big problem. I was super into fitness. I couldn't really, these hotel gyms just weren't doing it for me. So I had this idea for this product and I, I wound up building a fitness company, a fitness product and wound up selling in, what was it, 20 countries or something. I built and sold the entire com uh, company in 27 months. Wow. For six figures, actually, cash. So and it was a good, good investment. Were you still working full time? Yeah, that was a side gig, that whole time wow. so people are telling me you know that, that stuff you can only do full-time like no that's it was a side hustle you know i got home from work at five o'clock and i i made a commitment i put in my calendar two hours a day i'm working on my company and that's and a little bit on the weekends and that's what i did why was it mike especially with the first two companies that seemed like they were i mean they did so well yeah why did you keep your full-time job yeah i guess it was just me um not knowing what to do with my time. Like I was still building the company as fast as I could have with the resources that I could have with a couple hours a day. Um, now I look back, you know, all the things I could have done. That's great. I could have gotten a business loan. I could have hired employees. All that stuff is fine, but maybe it was a little bit of that. And maybe there's a little bit of, Hey, maybe this isn't what I want to do full time. Maybe I don't want to sell fitness products full time. And you right. know, I spent six years in school studying how to be a scientist. I wanted to give it a chance a little bit. So it wasn't that I hated doing it. Um, it was just that I liked doing so many different things, you know, and it was producing, it was paying the bills and I didn't have to worry about going into debt with this business I was running. And I was using my full-time job as kind of an engine to, um, to fuel any capital I needed for my side business. Right. So which ultimately was more profitable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the funny part. What would you say then to people who have built up side businesses that are making very good money? Like if someone were to ask you at what point should someone consider quitting their, their full-time yeah. job? Um, what do you tell them, especially considering the fact that, that you started and sold two, well, at least two, I'm interested yeah. here, but the third and fourth, um, yeah. without ever quitting your main job. Yeah. So the third and fourth company, I actually did quit my main job. There was a time and I would tell, you know, to answer your question, the advice would be uh, when you feel confident in your ability to replace your existing income with uh, your full-time, with your side, quote unquote, side job or whatever company you're starting with your full-time uh, employment, then go ahead and make that leap. Um, I do not recommend somebody go out and get a loan. Um, I don't like business debt. I've never been the one to borrow except for when my third company, when I needed it, I needed to hire employees cause it was just exploding. Um, it was just, 
I didn't, did not feel comfortable going to a bank and saying, I need a hundred thousand dollars to do this or that. And I still don't. Um, but, um, I know a person, my, one of my buddies borrowed millions of dollars from investors and, um, and, and loans and stuff. And he's been a big success, but he's still many years later, still in debt, you know, and I, I just Mm -hmm. can't, that's just not my mindset. So if you feel confident that you have something where you're getting some traction and you can replace your full-time income, by all means, make that leap. Other than that, just scrap it. Keep your full-time job and just keep being a scrapper. It's that transition that's the hardest. And that's what's the reason why only 3% of the uh, population is, is entrepreneurs because they've made that transition. They scrapped that way that 97% wouldn't, wouldn't care to do. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's very, uh, very good advice. And so what happens next or, or what's the third business? Yeah, the third business was an idea for a real estate company. I was um, dabbling in real estate at the time. And, uh, and I realized that there's a lot of great real estate agents that just aren't known. The people who are getting all the business are ones that are good at marketing and they don't know the first, many of them don't know the first thing about real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I realized that the big thing that's keeping people out of real estate and being successful is the fact that they don't know how to market. And here I am a marketing expert at the time. So I decided to create a business model where you can be a real estate agent. We'll do all the marketing for you. We call it a central technology center. We'll create your website. We'll do all your SEO. We'll do all your outbound marketing. We'll do your paid ads, everything that you need to bring in clients. All you have to do is service them and you pay me a a monthly fee. And it was like, at the time it was like $2,000 a month or something. You keep hundred percent of your commission. You just pay us a monthly fee. Turned out to be very, very well. Got a lot of copycats in California. A lot of big companies change their business model to try to copy me. But I wound up franchising the company, spread it to 15 offices in five different states. Wow. It wound up being um, bought out by an investor group. It turned out I despise the real estate industry. There's <laughs> so much criminality going on there. It's, it's disgusting. Right. Uh, it needed a lot of innovation, which it's since got. But um, yeah, I, I wound up franchising the company. And uh, I did that full time for several years before I wound up selling it. Right. Mike, I, I need to ask you about this uh, Evernote mm-hmm. because it sounds like you, at least up till this point in the story, you're very good at, at noticing opportunities, especially mm-hmm. in areas that you're interested in. Maybe that's part of it, right? Is, is yeah. you, you keep close attention to things that you're also interested in. Can you talk about how you track those ideas and how you picked those idea or the opportunities yeah. to actually pursue? Cause I'm sure you had a lot of other good ideas as well. I still do. I have uh, yeah. Evernote app, uh, at least 30 validated business ideas, but um, it's a really simple answer to your question. I mean, download Evernote, you start a new note that's called business ideas. And whenever you think of something on your daily life that, Hey, this could be better, or why don't they ever do this? Or why hasn't anybody made this? Or it could be anything on the internet that you find. It could be anything in real life as you're walking around, you know, just, Maybe at a restaurant, there's something that's a little awkward or inefficient that you think could be improved. Um, and then, you know, I just write that down. And then I, if I have any spare time, I go and do a little bit of research to see if anybody's ever done that out there. And if they have, how can I put a different spin on it? Um, yeah, so it's just kind of lives in my Evernote as, as possibilities. And I rank them one, two, and three by one, meaning like this would be the next business I'd start because it aligns with what I like. And you know, all the way down to three with, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's not a moneymaker and there's lots of people doing it, but I'm going to keep it on there because who knows in the future what, what may happen. So. Right. Uh, so, yeah. so when one business comes to an end, do you then go to those rankings and, and basically pick from the ones? Yeah. It's usually a little bit before that, but um, you know, as I decide to put a business up for sale, I'm usually ramping up another business. Got it. 
Very cool. And, and so I have to ask about the fourth mm-hmm. or, or yeah. is that uh, the freelancer masterclass? No, that's the fifth. So the fourth one was okay. more along the lines of my passion. It wasn't so much, uh, this was a perfect example of something that I didn't even know how I was going to make money. I just wanted to get it up there. So I'm right. a competitive tennis player. Tennis is my passion. I live for tennis. Other than my daughter and my wife, I do. I live <laughs> for tennis. It's what I look forward to every day. I try to play tennis, right? So I realized that picking a tennis racket is very, very difficult. Uh, long story short, most tennis players, even advanced ones, are using the wrong racket for their game. So I realized that when, um, after talking to a lot of tennis players, it's a very big struggle. People just either pick one because of the cool commercial or they just pick one because of uh, they saw it on the shelf and they decided to, to use it. But I determined there's about 20 factors that um, play a role into which one you should be using for your game. So I boiled all those 20 factors down to 10 questions and I created a website and it's basically a survey. Uh, the, the company is called tennisracket.me. I think it's still up. I don't, the person who bought it didn't do much with it, but mm-hmm. it's an algorithm. Basically, you go to the site, you answer 10 questions, and it searches for um, the best racket that suits you, the answers that you gave. Uh, mm-hmm. What I did was I wound up monetizing it basically through ads. So it was an ad play. Uh, and I got a little bit of referral revenue from, you know, if somebody actually bought the racket that I recommended. So it made a few hundred dollars a month. It wasn't a big sale for me, but it was mm-hmm. just interesting. It was my first time I took a company from a passion and had no idea how I was going to monetize or even if I could. And um, it got some, I wish it got better traction, but it got some really good, uh, interesting revenue sources for me. A, a company called the Tennis Industry Association wound up hiring me uh, to hmm. do some consulting work. And they had me, they paid me a lot of money to go do some, some talks for them. Uh, they flew me across the country and I did some uh, keynote talks for them. So it had some interesting opportunities that opened up as a result of that. Right. Yeah. You never know what, what types of uh, subsequent or, or quasi opportunities may come up as well. Right. At, at what point in this entire journey, I guess, Mike, did you kind of zero in more on the marketing and the branding stuff? Yeah. Well, I realized that, you know, marketing is what builds companies and it didn't really matter what I was doing. I mean, look, by this time I was, I built and sold four companies in four different industries. And uh, I just realized I got to the heart of my passion was it wasn't, the product or service itself that I was selling that I was passionate about. It was the fact that I can market just about anything. Um, if you wanted me to market ketchup popsicles to, to, to <laughs> people in lived in igloos, you know, Eskimos, and I'd do it just because it sounds fun. It, I like right. the creativity of building a company and, and, and marketing it and finding that communication point and the technology and automation behind it. So um, that's when I decided just be a fractional CMO and help companies, other people build their own companies. Right. And you do hear more about the, I mean, the term fractional, I only came yeah. to know about about a year ago. Uh, now that I'm a little bit more involved in, in the, the tech scene, uh, that it seems to be popular there, especially for startups that, you know, for example, are either growing really quick or can't afford a full-time CMO, CFO, yep. uh, C, you know, and insert letter here, O. Um, and, and so, that specifically, the fractional CMO work, is that mostly from being asked a, a bunch of times and realizing that that's a great idea? Or, you know, I, I guess what I'm wondering is at what point did you kind of brand yourself as, as the marketing guy and, and go after that type of work? Yeah, it was a, a website called Upwork, <clears throat> upwork.com. Oh, yeah. it, it used to be called Elance. Are you familiar with Upwork? I actually checked out your profile today. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I've, I've used it. Uh, I've hired off of Upwork a few times. 
Yeah, I mean, if anybody's a side hustle or even thinking about wanting to provide services for someone else, another company, you should get on Upwork.com. It provides a lot of great opportunities, but I'm on the homepage of Upwork now. Actually, they selected me. I don't know how, what, what algorithm they used. To, they reached out to me last year and said, do you want to be on the homepage? And I did some videos for them and I went down to their office. Very cool company. Hmm. Uh, but they, they just provide a host of great options for you to, to side hustle and, and be a full-time freelancer and yeah, that's when I decided um, fractional CMO is really, you know, a great niche because I get to work with um, startups who can't afford or don't have a full-time chief marketing mar- marketing officer, which usually they run about 200000 plus a year. And, you know, for three or $5,000 a month, I'll work for you. I'll do a, a few things as defined by the scope of work to help you grow your company. Um, and you don't need to hire me or provide me with 401ks or health benefits and Uh, You know, I just work with about a half a dozen companies now, and um, I get to wake up and work on six different companies and uh, work with some really cool, innovative new startups. I love it. Yeah, no, that that sounds great. Do do you have any tips for people that uh, might already have started on Upwork or or just getting into it or are now interested in it because of this kind of what what do you recommend for them? Because there's a ton of people on there, right? So, So how do you cut through the noise? Yeah, I have a, I just released a course in that very answer to that question. It's called oh, the Upwork Mastery Bundle. And it's, um, it's four hours of instructional video on how to basically make 10,000 a month or more on Upwork within 90 days. Um, but to answer your question, um, in, in a minute or less, the best thing you can do is get yourself a, a great profile. And the profile means a picture where you don't look like a psycho, right? <laughs> um, you look like a normal person, a little bit of a smile. Um, you write a, a, a profile on how you can help people. Don't talk about yourself. The biggest mistake people make on Upwork is I this, I that, I this, I that. You want to talk, speak to the person who has the problem and they're looking at your profile to see if you're the solution, right? So Mm -hmm. you define your niche, exactly who you can help, whether it's an industry or a particular service that you offer. You don't have to be a marketing guru that works in the pet industry. You could be a marketing guru that loves marketing automation or that could be a niche, right? So you just build a profile around that and and just start looking at opportunities and looking at the jobs that are posted on Upwork and seeing what, uh, what you'll be able to service. Awesome. That, that's great stuff. And so Mike, I'd love to ask you a few questions about marketing and, and branding in general, because sure. I think you actually mentioned this on your profile. It's, it's something that businesses have forgotten about, right? Or, or, or a lost art, so to speak. Mm-hmm. How, how do you approach marketing and, and branding in general? I guess what's your, you know, what, what's your, uh, I'm not sure what the right word is, but what is yeah. your um, kind of belief system or, or approach to it? Well, there's two approaches I have to this and they both kind of go hand in hand. Um, when a company's starting and they have no sense of itself, no sense of the brand, there's two things I like to do. Number one, I like to talk to the people, the key stakeholders of the company, the CEO, the other chief officers and ask them what kind type of brand they would best exude with. You know, I'm not going to make a humorous, uh, funny brand out of a, a bunch of scientists, you know, that are trying right. to run a, a science company or a technology company. Right. So the brand has to exude the personality of the people who are run, running it, number one. And then you have to look at the competitors in the space and make sure that your brand doesn't align too much um, like your competitors. You don't want to do a copycat company. So if there are four other competitors in the space, and let's just say it's a, it's a, a science-related company, and there's no other companies that take like 
the humorous, whimsical approach to a brand, uh, fun, easy to read type of brand, then that's the kind of direction I would take if I find that the owner is overly sarcastic and humorous, right? Because that would best exude uh, the brand that they're trying to build and it differentiates themselves from other, the other competitors. Got it. And, and do you have any specific exercises or, or things people can do to kind of uh, figure that, that kind of information out? Yeah, I've tried to put that in a box before. You know, there are branding exercises. I've worked with companies where they'll hire me for a day or even three days to come down and meet with their staff and um, put a bunch of stickies all over walls and try to go through these exercises. <laughs> really, everyone's a little different. Yeah. Um, but there's no out-of-the-box approach to that. And I'm sure that if you Google like branding exercises, you'll find companies that'll do this for you. But, um, you know, the best approach I've done is I've just, I've talked to companies, I ask them the right questions and I give them the best recommendations, but I'm sure there's a lot of fun, cool games you can play and, and exercises you can do. I'm, I haven't really boxed anything in like that, you know, uh, so much um, yet at this point. Right. Right. And, and so are you said you're working mainly, is it with startups? Uh, yeah, startups, about 80% of my work, um, about 10% of my work is individual solopreneurs that, um, don't necessarily have a startup. They might just be, you know, uh, a consultant, an independent consultant. Mm-hmm. And then the other 10% are larger companies like 3 million or more, 10 million or more in revenue. Right. And, and how has it been going from, <clears throat> I guess you could say multi-time solopreneur to working with these high growth type startups? Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's it's pretty much the same. I treat every company I'm I'm working with as a fractional CMO as my own company. So I kind of feel like I'm building my own company. I'm just not reaping the rewards of, of the the profit and the um and the, whatever the exit may be. But at the very least, my passion lies with helping them grow. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to stay along the lines of what what I'm passionate about. Right. And you probably get to sleep better at night uh, compared to some of those founders as well. Uh, Mike, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you see companies making any type of company, but maybe the ones that you've worked with or or just seen in general uh, with regards to marketing and branding? Yeah. um, Two big things. Um, Number one, the talent. People just don't really know how to hire right. Um, They they hire kind of sloppy. They'll just hire the first person that, that um, they see that, can you do marketing automation? Yeah. Have you worked with Salesforce? Yeah. Okay. You're hired. You know, they don't really go right. too deep. They don't align with company culture or anything like that. Um, and the other thing is really just sloppy execution or just no execution at all. I, I have this client I'm working with now and my main problem with him, great, great pr- uh, product he offers, but he just, he just analyzes everything to death. He just will not execute anything. And mm-hmm. any report I give, any recommendation I give, just kind of sit in his desk. He, he almost has this fear of executing. So, um, or, or on the, there's a flip side of that is just, you know, you, you don't even really just look at whatever I deliver. You just, yeah, just go ahead and do it. Here's 5,000 bucks, make it happy. You know, it's like sloppy execution. So there has to be like a middleman there that uh, I try to teach my, my CEOs. To, you know, a lot of CEOs are kind of thrusted into the position of leadership and they've never really been formally trained on. For sure. So I try to train on that as well. And what would you say more, just because uh, the, the audience for or my listeners tend to be more in the solopreneur type yeah. group, especially when starting out, what do you mm-hmm. recommend? Or, or I guess we could ask the same question. What are a lot of mistakes you see in solopreneurs or, or any tips you can give to them who, like you said, might not have any training 
in business and especially in marketing? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing I could do is um, become a reader. Leaders are readers, um, mm -hmm. or at least get some Udemy courses under your belt. Um, a lot of solopreneurs I find when I do my entrepreneur coaching, they don't know how to um, produce their own their own effective work. Um, there's a there's a law called Parkinson's law that basically says works fills itself. So sometimes I'll talk to one of my students and I'll say, what'd you do today? And they just listed a bunch of stuff that didn't really move the needle forward. Mm -hmm. You know, they checked Facebook 10 times or they don't even realize they're just kind of clicking away the day and not doing anything effective. So I would say my, my suggestion is if you don't know how productivity hacks and tricks, if you don't know habits that make you a good entrepreneur, pick up some books, read some, uh, read some books about habits and productivity. Um, I like peak performance. Uh, Atomic Habits is a good one. The Now Habit, you know, these books, if you go to Amazon and type in Habits Entrepreneurs, you'll find some really great ones. It'll get you in the groove of really putting your brain in the right flow state, getting the productivity that you need out of every workday to make yourself super efficient. Right. I'm going to have to check those out. Actually, I'm definitely a reader over here as well. Good. Do you have any marketing suggestions in terms of books? Uh, you mean marketing books? Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> the problem with marketing books is they're great, except they're irrelevant in 60 days because marketing changes so fast. Right. You know, uh, and marketing is such a, a, a blanket term. I mean, there could be branding, there could be inbound marketing, there could be uh, a thousand different things. I would say I would not recommend any one book over the other. But what I would say is if you find yourself interested in a particular aspect of marketing, then get the, the uh, well-reviewed book on Amazon or an, or an Udemy course, um, but zero in on a particular topic that you think maybe your uh, company could, could benefit from. Got it. Yeah. And there's so many, so many options out there now. Yeah. There's no shortage. Uh, very cool, Mike. So I, I want to finish by asking a little bit about what you're working on right now. Can you tell us a little bit more about Freelancer Masterclass, exactly yeah. what it is? And, and Freelancer Masterclass is for solopreneurs. Um, either you're a consultant or a freelancer and, um, and you're either part-time or full-time and you just, you want to either make more money and quit your job or, uh, you know, make more money as a full-timer. Um, but it's really, it's a nine step lockstep course. So you start with step one, even if you think, you know, the foundations of what makes a good freelancer, that is step one. You have to go through these lockstep. And, um, there's a reason for that because every lesson, each of the lesson builds upon itself. So at the end of the nine steps, you get a certificate that says you're a freelancer masterclass graduate. Uh, along the way, it's more than just pre-recorded videos. Uh, you get live sessions with group sessions with me every couple of weeks. Um, you get access to certain resources and documents. Uh, the big, big one is the legal documents that I've um, developed with my attorney over the years. Um, you get access to all that, that alone, thousands of dollars worth of legal documents. Mm -hmm. um, you get all sorts of cool spreadsheets that help you set goals and all the formulas are already plugged in. You just got to put in a few numbers here and there. You know, every of the nine courses have these cool resources associated with it. So, um, yeah, it's really, it's, it aligns my passion with helping entrepreneurs take control of their own career. And it just doesn't have to be like, hey, if you like your full-time job, great. And if you like to side hustle and make some money, this is perfectly aligned for you. You might even find that your side hustle becomes more profitable than your full-time job. So I'm warning you uh, that has already happened a couple times with some of my students. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. Uh, and especially with the prevalence of, you know, freelancing and, and side yeah. hustles, it's, uh, it's, it's a very good value prop, I have to say. Yeah. Mike, do you have, 
maybe two or three pieces of not necessarily business advice, but maybe even just more life advice for people who are either just getting started maybe with a side hustle or they're still working their nine to five and they're, they know that there's something, you know, more out there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My first piece of advice is really dig into what, what you live for, uh, what your passion is. And it's kind of morbid exercise I use is like, if you're at your funeral, what do you want people saying about you? Um, if you are boring enough to, to think that, Hey, I just want people to know that I paid my bills on time. You know, that, that bill or that job, uh, that's Joe, he was a bill paying son of a bitch. You know, that's all he did. Right. He paid bills on time. That's boring. Um, everybody <laughs> lives for something. And if you don't think you can make money from your passion, you're sorely mistaken. There are millions of ways to make money out there. The money will come to you, but you have to align with what you really like to do. So go through that exercise, have a come to Jesus meeting with yourself, not to be religious, but mm-hmm. Think about what really uh, drives your passion in life and you can make a career out of it. I can almost guarantee no matter how, how silly it is, how silly you think it is, um, there's a way to make money from it. Right. That's a great note to end on, Mike. Again, really appreciate having you on. Very cool to hear about the, uh, the different journeys that you went through, especially how it got started. Uh, do you want to mention one last time, maybe the website and where people can find you, maybe if they want to follow you on social or, or get in touch? Yeah, I put together a cool resource for your audience, actually. Um, We have several, lots of webinars, but several very uh, popular webinars, four of them that are much more popular than the others. So what I did is I put all those uh, onto one website that your audience can go see. So go to freelancermasterclass.com forward slash free and sign up there. And what I'm going to do is I put it together a drip system there. And I'm going to send you one of those four webinars every day. And that will teach you how to make money online, either side hustle or full time to bring in clients to make to get more money out of your clients and to charge more basically and to service your clients longer. So those four webinars alone for completely no money will allow you to really um, put that put that uh, engine in gear and, and start ramping up some income for you. Awesome. And any, any socials where, uh, if we want to keep yeah. tabs on what you're up to, I'm really big on YouTube. So go to YouTube, type in freelancer masterclass. Um, I do a new video every Thursday and I do a new podcast every Tuesday. So I actually uh, have oh, nice. a podcast called the freelancer school and that's everywhere podcasts, you know, iTunes and iHeartRadio, and check out freelancer school. And that comes out every Tuesday. Awesome. Mike, really appreciate you having uh, taken the time to, to come on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Hey everyone, Josh here checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.